So the question we have this morning is, why do bad things happen to good people? Good question, huh? Why does bad things happen to good people? I've had people ask me questions like, you know, Pastor, why, 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 why can all these children be starving across the globe and, and God who says that he loves us doesn't do anything about it? How can all these women go into human trafficking and God not do something about it? How can God just stand there and watch this happen? Let's be honest this morning. Have you ever felt that way? Maybe you've gone through something personally. You've lost a loved one and you, you sit there and you say, God, why? Now, how many of you have done this? You don't have to raise your hands, but you go, Lord, I've been tithing. I've been reading my Bible. I've been praying. I've been going to church. It's funny how we get that way, isn't it? As soon as things start going bad, well, Lord, you want, you want to give the Lord your resume. You want to give him what you've been doing, right? Your agenda, your schedule. Lord, I've been doing this. Why is this happening to me? And you know, a lot of people have stepped away from being in the presence of God and stepped away from a relationship with God just because something bad happened to them. You, we all know people like that, don't we? We call them backsliders. I backslid for a while. I mean, it's, you know, all those things. But if we don't understand why bad things happen to good people, then there's a good chance we're going to fall away. Right? Because it's inevitable that something bad's going to happen to you in life. And if somebody lied to you when they preached the gospel to you the first time and said that once you give your life to Jesus, everything's going to be perfect, clean, and fine, I'm praying this morning that that lie is broken. Because that's not what I read when I read the Bible. I read Jesus saying, get ready, boys. The same thing I went through, you're going to go through. But just to help you out, you can also do the same things that I've done. Cause the blind to see, raise the dead to life, right? It should be nice if he'd give us the ability to do all the great things in the kingdom and then protect us from all the bad things, right? Wouldn't that be like the perfect scenario? Where we could say, God, you know, it's, it's good to live in your favor and your protection and nothing ever happens to me. I got this force field around me. And when the enemy comes, just boing, it just bounces off. Wouldn't that be nice? But the truth of the matter is, is that the day you give your life to Jesus, all hell breaks loose against you. You need to settle that in your mind because you just made the devil mad. Right? Because before you gave your life to Jesus, the Bible actually says that you was on his team. Well, he ain't going to get mad at you when you're on his team and you're not a threat to him. Right? You only become a threat when something changes in your heart. And you go from spiritual death into spiritual life. You see, the devil and everybody around you loved you when you were spiritually dead. When you, when you, but when you became spiritually alive and you started preaching Christ to them and living Christ to them with your lifestyle, they started talking behind your back. Right? Miss Mary's the only one preaching with me this morning. <laughs> Keep preaching, Miss Mary. The rest of them are going to catch it sooner or later. But that's the truth. Bad things will happen to good people. Right? I've had things happen to me that I'm not happy about. 
But on the backside, I look back and I go, God, you did something in me. How many of you have learned valuable lessons by bad things happening to you? How many of you now are going, Lord, thank you that those things happened to me? I actually tell God, thank you that I backslid for a little while. Because I needed to slide on my backside. Right? I needed to get some scrapes and bruises and burns. Because and, I'm Ted Dur. Ted Du. On TV, they spelled it D-U-R, so I got it. I mean, I'm not full-blooded Cajun. I got a little bit of Mexican in me, so maybe that's what came out. But I'll tell you all that story. My grandmother, before she passed away, on my daddy's side, she went to, she had my dad check the family tree to just build the family tree. She wanted to see it before she passed away, and she boasted all of her life that she was a LaRose. She was French. She was from Houma, Louisiana. She, she really took pride that she was French. So my dad starts digging into the family tree thing, and he come to find out she was a La Rosa. She thought she was French. She was Mexican. I said, that, that makes sense to me. I fit in now. I, I, couldn't, I was trying to be French, but it just wasn't happening. But I, could, I, I was good when I had 50 Mexicans working for me. I felt at home. Can I be honest with you? I mean, I ate off the truck with them. It tasted good. Poor baby, she died with a broken heart. I mean, she thought she was French. She was Mexican. Let me give you a couple of reasons why bad things happen to good people. You've all heard people say that, that, well, you know, when you're going through something bad, you'll hear the, the kind of the murmur in the background. Oh, well, they must be living in sin. Right? Come on. Or they must not be praying right. They're not praying. I knew they had something going on. That's the only reason that thing's happening to them. Listening to Pastor Bubba and Pastor Josh go through what they've gone through over the last couple of years, and it's been a lot. I I hear them talk about the murmuring they heard in the background. People saying, well, what's wrong? Did Did Pastor Bubba do something wrong? Did, Did he mess up? Is that why he's got cancer? You've all heard that, right? If we were really honest this morning, we've probably all thought that. Number one, maybe you're a victim of a broken world. Maybe the reason bad things happen to you is because you're just a victim of a broken world. You remember when Adam sinned? Sin entered the world. Ladies, let me give you something to get mad at Adam about. After Adam sinned, you now had pain and labor. Say thanks, Adam. But when Adam sinned, sin entered the world, death entered the world, and here came all this chaos and this havoc, right? And we live in this. And the Bible actually says that the world today is under the sway of the, of the wicked one. The world. It's under the sway, this weird kind of a sway. You'll see my girls, and I'm usually in the back during worship. My oldest one, she likes to sway when she sings. And I kind of do the same thing. But what's funny is when we start worship, she's in the front, and she's kind of like this, and she's just, you know, doing her thing. And then I'll watch, and everybody around her starts doing this. (laughs) The first time I saw it, I laughed. I was like, wow. But then I found myself going, feels kind of good, you know, stretch it hips out a little bit. 
But if we're not careful, we get caught up in that sway. Right? That's why Jesus said you need to separate from the world. You need to renew your mind. It needs to be different than the world's mind. Sometimes you're just a victim of a broken world. Sometimes you just get caught up in something. Amen? I mean, the person that that ran into the back of your car the other day, that wasn't the devil. That was just some idiot not paying attention. Right? Sometimes we try to over-spiritualize things. Oh, Lord, what did I do, Rami? You you got hit by somebody else and you're repenting. Oh, God, Lord, I'm sorry, Lord. I shouldn't have thought what I thought when I thought it last week when I thought that. Right? Sometimes we're just a victim of a broken world. Let me give you a scripture to back that up. John 16, 33 says that, uh, he said, I've told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on this earth, you will have trials and sorrows. But take heart, because I have overcome the world. Did you hear that? In this world, you will have trials and sorrows. Be a big boy and take it. But take heart. In other words, be encouraged because Jesus has overcome the world. The difference between you and the rest of the people in this world that don't know Jesus is that you have the power to overcome and go through this trial and they don't. And when we make up in our minds and decide that we're going to press through this thing and we're not going to run from it, we're not going to cry about it, we're not going to boudet for two months, we're not going to do all this and we press through it, then you know what happens to the rest of the world that doesn't have the hope that you have? They see your life and they go, wow. Yeah, they might start out going, oh God, what did they do? But by the end, if you persevere and you stand firm against the, the enemy and the trial that you're going through, If you'll stand firm, at the end they'll be going, what do they have? It's funny how when you start going through a trial, people kind of distance themselves from you. But when you persevere in that trial, they start to get drawn to you, right? You've seen that? It's just like a vacuum, like God puts this holy vacuum on you. And people just get drawn. Why? Because they want what you got. They want the hope of the world. They just don't know what they want. But they want to be able to live life like you live life. Amen? So number one, you just may be a victim of a broken world. Number two, maybe you brought it on yourself. Maybe you did sin. I mean, listen to me. You can't go to the bar, drink 12 beers, get in your car, and drive home. And when the cop pulls you over and he smells your breath and gives you a breathalyzer test and you fail it, you can't get mad at God because of that. Right? You can't start saying, Lord, where's my driver's license? I gave you a perfectly fine one. You gave it to the police officer. Right? I mean, let's just be real this morning. You can't go live like a donkey and not smell like a donkey. Right? Because we all want to live like a donkey but not smell like him. Right? We want to roll in the, in, the, in the pasture with the pigs but not come out dirty. Right? Sometimes we do bring it on ourselves. Galatians 6, 7, 8 says, don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. 
You will always harvest what you plant. Pastor Bubba says it like this. If you put corn in the ground, you're going to get. If you put beans in the ground, you're going to get. You put rice in the ground, you're going to get. You put nothing in the ground, what are you going to get? No. You're going to get weeds. Thorns. Right? Crabgrass. Demonic stuff. The rest of the verse says, those who, have, who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. Listen to me. Every time I try to fulfill the lust and desires of Jamie's flesh, I get a Jamie's flesh reward. Right? It's as simple as every time the demonic bluebell comes around and I decide... To satisfy my longing. You see, I was doing good till the birthdays hit. I'm trying to figure out how we can do birthdays without ice cream and cake and just do like a meat birthday. But see, if I fulfill Jamie's desires and I go sit down when there's this much left in the bottom of the container, and instead of getting a bowl, I say, well, that, that's just enough to put in a bowl anyway. I'll just take the whole tub with me and go sit down and eat it. And then I'm sick, right? I'm getting Jamie's reward. I'm getting death and decay. It it sure don't feel like Jesus after I finish my bluebell. Amen? Or I go sit down and eat 16 pounds of crawfish. I don't feel like Jesus. The Holy Spirit, I done run him out. I filled my temple up with crawfish instead of the Holy Spirit, right? Maybe you brought it on yourself. There's one thing I I do whenever I go through a trial is I do pray and ask God if there's anything in my heart. You follow me? I used to freak out and just start repenting. But now I'm a little more tactical and I go, God, is there something that you're trying to tell me? For instance, this morning, my, my sciatic nerve is running down the back of my leg. Almost didn't think I would come preach this morning. I just for seven days now I've been dealing with my back. My main chiropractor, he's a big guy. He can crack me. He's having back surgery. His replacement is a little bitty blonde-headed girl. She has to literally stand on my knees and bounce to get my back to pop. Okay. My temptation was to go, Lord, I'm sorry for eating the bluebell. Lord God, I'm sorry. Please heal my back. But I don't do that no more. I know know better. But I do ask God if there's something. And on a regular basis, I do ask God to examine my heart. And that's something that we should all do. Instead of waiting for somebody else to come around and show us something in our heart, I go straight to the Father and I ask him, you know why? Because I like the way he says it better than everybody else. That ought to be enough reason to start praying and ask God to examine your heart, right? And sometimes it is. There's something there. Majority of the time, there's not. I'm just going through something. So number three, you getting something yet? Number three, maybe God wants to do something big. Have you thought about that? Maybe he wants to do something big in your life. 
He wanted to do something big in Jesus' life. What happened to Jesus? He went to the cross. He was beaten. He was whipped. He was bruised. He was spit on, cursed at. That's the biggest thing I know of is Jesus going to the cross, right? Maybe you're going through something because God wants to show his power in your life. Maybe. Let me give you a verse to back that up. John chapter 9, verse 1 to 3 says, As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man who had been blind from birth. Rabbi, his disciples asked him, Why was this man born blind? Was it because of his own sins or his parents' sins? Verse 3, It was not because of his sins or his parents' sins, Jesus answered. This happened so the power of God could be seen in him. Wow. Does that just not sum it all up, this one point? This happened so that the power of God could be seen in his life. Now that sounds kind of strange, doesn't it? Why would God bruise me to show his power? Why would God allow bad things to happen to me just to show his power? Because most people don't listen to what you say. They watch what you do. Amen? People have learned to shut your preaching off. Some of you in here this morning, you done turned me off. That's fine. I'm going to get louder in a minute. But people learn to to shut the preaching off. They don't want to hear what you've got to say anymore. They don't want to hear your stories of victory. They don't want to hear about so-and-so at the church that got healed of cancer or so-and-so who had his foot cut off and now it's reattached and he's wrestling in Basile. They don't want to hear about that anymore. But they can't deny what they see. You follow me? And though they might not want to hear it, they definitely want to see it. Because we nosy people, ain't we? Go ahead and just admit it this morning. You nosy. Look at your neighbor and say, you nosy. And you can look back at them and say, yeah, you nosy too, Pinocchio. But we watch people. We watch how they handle things, especially when somebody puts a title on themselves, like Christian. I'm a Christian. Oh, yeah, what does that mean? That just means that all hell's about to break loose in my life. And you get to watch me overcome it. That's all that means. Well, I'll, and then when I die, I'm going to heaven. So spend eternity with Jesus. Oh, and by the way, I'm not dead anymore. I'm alive. It's quite nice talking to a dead person. All right? But God wants to show his power to the earth. Does he not? He's always done that. If you read the Old Testament, he's constantly showing his power. Delivering the children of Israel. Listen, they weren't great warriors. They just served the great God. Right? But they seemed to win just about everywhere they went. Right? In most cases, the battle was done before they even got there. The enemy was defeated before they even got there. They usually take off running. You remember the story of Joseph? How many of you remember the story of Joseph? Joseph in the coat of many colors. I'll bring you back to Children's Church. I don't know the song, but 
You know, Joseph had this dream, and his father made him this coat, and his, he was the favorite, the golden child, and his brothers hated him, and he came and he told them about this dream, and they all got jealous, and they threw him in a pit, and then they sold him into slavery, and then he goes from slavery, he becomes ranked up as amongst the slaves, and then he gets sold to Potiphar's house, and he's, he's moving up at Potiphar's house, and, and Potiphar's wife falsely accuses him of, of trying to rape her, and, and so then he gets thrown into prison, then he becomes He's basically giving the guards advice in prison. And then all of a sudden, he becomes number two in Egypt. And he he turns around, and he ends up saving his own family that threw him in the pit. You got to catch this. There was just a big picture spoken right there. His family who threw him in the pit would later be coming around begging him to save them. Are you seeing this? When Jesus saved you, even though your family hated you, he's going to turn it around and they're going to come back and they're going to need you to save them. Amen? And why are they going to come to you? Because they've seen the power of God work in your life. They've seen you overcome death in the grave. They've seen you overcome troubles and trials and sorrow. Amen? Listen, we all fall and we stumble. I've blown many a trial, Right? I heard a great saying one time, he said, you need to stop going through your trial and you need to start growing through your trial. When I heard that, I went, Shazam, that's good. I took a note. And now when I see a trial coming or when it jumps up on me, I might get knocked back. But my, my, my thinking is and my spirit man inside is going, grow through it. Don't go through it. Don't waste your trial. Right? Well, God, what are you showing me about your power? You know why I know so much about God? Not because I've read this so many times. I know a lot about God through this. But the most I know about God is through the trials and the, and the sorrows and the tribulations I've gone through. It's one thing to read about somebody. It's another thing to personally know somebody. Amen. We come to church together and we all know of each other. But there's very few of us that really know each other. Right? My first hangout time with Pastor Bubba, we got in a wreck, car wreck in Jennings. It was the craziest thing there ever was. It was a rainy day. We're riding around in this little Nissan Sentra. Imagine that, me in a Nissan Sentra. That was a joke already. So we're riding in the thing. We're at a red light, and, the, and the, it, we thought it turned green. The lady in front of us just kind of jumped up. Well, Pastor Bubba nailed the gas, and boom, he hit the back of her. I was like, oh, man. I, I just moved. I was just hanging out with Pastor Bubba. It's like one of our first hangout times. I didn't know him that well. I knew of him. So he gets out and he goes talk to the lady and her son's in the passenger seat with a dollar collar. You know what a dollar collar is, right? He's laying in the seat. Oh, oh. He should have been an actor. I mean, he was like drama. And we just bumped him. So the cop comes and, you know, there was no dent, no damage and, but the lady insisted, oh, we're calling the cops. And so we pull over at a funeral home, of all things, to get out of traffic. And we're there, and we're waiting, and the cop's talking to him. And, and the cop comes talk to me, and I look up, and Pastor Bubba's almost in the car with the guy. And the guy's crying. And Pastor Bubba's got his hands on him, praying for him. Lord, I pray you heal him. Lord, I pray. I'm like, and I'm looking over, and I'm going, you just hit them. He was threatening to sue you. 
I knew Pastor Bubba after that day. We had, a, we had an experience together. That's the kind of knowledge we need of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? That's the kind of knowledge we need. That's why it's important not to run from your trial. That's why it's important that when bad things happen to you, you press through it. Amen? You grow through it. Why? Because it's an opportunity to know God better. Go with me to James chapter 1. It's funny, I had this quiet time even before I studied the message for this week. Just had some great meditation on this. James 1, starting in verse 2. You'll give me a few more minutes? I was going to take them anyway. James 1, starting in verse 2. It's craziest verse, one of the craziest verses in the Bible as far as I'm concerned. James has the boldness to say, count it all joy when hell breaks loose against you. That's what he says. Count it all joy when troubles and trials come your way. Huh? I mean, your mom and your daddy didn't teach you that, right? And they sure didn't example it to you, did they? I mean, when, when, when your, your mom and your dad became financially strapped, they didn't run around the house singing, Hosanna, Hosanna, oh Lord on high, did they? No. They were probably bickering in the room when you wasn't, or they thought you wasn't listening. Right? Nobody ever teaches you to have joy when trouble comes your way. But James says, count it all joy. Let me read the verse. He says, dear brothers and sisters, when troubles come, troubles. That's plural, right? right? Okay, I'm not, I wasn't good in English. Troubles come your way. That means there's more than one. Consider, the word consider means to think through, to weigh the decision you're about to make. Consider it an opportunity for great joy. When troubles come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. How? Is trouble fun? Come on. Is it joyous? Is it something we look forward to? Is it something we usually try to duck and hide from? We spend more time trying to figure out how to get out of trouble than to get through trouble. Right? But James says you got to shift your thinking. You got to look at this as an opportunity for great joy. So when trouble comes, you need to begin, come on, sucker, let's go. Oh, I'm about to grow in the Lord. I'm about to produce some fruit, baby. Right? But we don't think that way, dude. But we got to shift the way we think. We got to consider what's coming our way. And we need to take trouble head on. Right? Listen, I'm big and I'm white. I played football. I was not a running back. I was no good at juking. See how see how long it took me to get there? That's too long. I couldn't dodge anybody. I couldn't get out of my own way. So I'm no good at ducking and running. I'm kind of like a lethargic elephant. I'm just here. I'm, if the tree gets in the way, we're going to go over it. You follow me? 
But some of you are good at juking and jiving and ducking. Some of you are actually agile. I'm not. So my whole life I've just been running over things. I thank God for that. You know why? Because I'm not good at juking and jiving. And then I learned about this verse where it says this. So now I say, okay, here comes trouble. I ain't going to waste the energy and try and juke and jive. Right? I'm just I'm like, come on, sucker, let's go. Right? Shift the way you're thinking. Consider it an opportunity. Come on. We got to go from whining about the trouble to rejoicing about the trouble. Amen? There's people watching you. You know, there's five gospels in the Bible. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and you. The world doesn't read the first four, but they definitely read you. Amen? And the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ is being played out in you. So when trouble comes, you go at trouble and look at it and see it. Instead of as a bad thing, you see it as an opportunity for great joy. Now watch the rest of this verse. Verse 3 says, for you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. Your endurance, it gets a chance whenever you go through the trial. Are you hearing me? (laughs) So trials come and it's an opportunity for great joy. And then your endurance gets to grow. You know what that means? That means you get good at going through trials. Come on. This is called spiritual maturity. (laughs) You want to know if somebody's mature in Christ? When When you're immature in Christ, God teaches you through problems and trials. When you're more mature in Christ, God teaches you and trains you through opportunities of faith. Come on. I thank God I've gone from the trials to the faith part. But some days I go, Lord, I'll take the trials. <laughs> I'm too scared to do that. It's an opportunity for great joy. So, so he says this, so, so when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. I love this part. I highlighted it. He goes, so let it grow. <laughs> Isn't that just so easy? So let it grow. It's kind of like we pray and we say, Lord, I want to produce the fruits of the Spirit. Lord, I want to become a mature Christian. Lord, I want to get better. Lord, I want to represent you in this world. And we sow that seed, right? But when the seed comes out the ground, we kind of go, eh, I don't know. It's going to hurt. Right? It's kind of like people who plant a garden but then don't like going out taking care of the garden. Right? We all want to be like Jesus, don't we? We sing the songs. We read the verses. You might even pray in tears. Lord, I just want to be like you, Lord. Make me like you, Jesus. But without the pain, the sorrow, the trials, the tribulations, Lord, just please push all that out the way. Right? When he's sitting there going, the only way you ever going to be like me is to go through this. Right? He says, so let it grow. It's simple. So let it grow. 
So let the trials and the trouble come your way. Amen? So let it come. Because when it comes, you get to have great joy. Your endurance gets to grow. So that the next trial that comes around, you're a little bit stronger. Right? It's like an athlete who begins to, if, let's say I wanted to start running a 5K. I don't know how many miles that is, the 5K. Okay? Y'all didn't catch that. So I want to run a 5K. All right? So tomorrow I'm going to start running. So the first day is not going to be real fun, is it? I mean, I'm going to be real ambitious, goal-oriented. I got a vision. I see myself getting skinny. Man, that's a lot, say DNA, that's a lot of running. But I got all these great things. I see the end. I'm pumped up. I'm fired up. But then there, here comes the day when I got to run. Right? And I'm putting on my tennis shoes. And I got my shorts on and definitely got a long shirt, sleeves. Ain't nothing to show off yet. And so I go outside and I stretch a little bit. And I go, ooh, them things is tight. I can't. I mean, most of the time I'm kind of like, can you come help pick my foot up? <laughs> or you get the wall, right? And you catch the wall. Anyway. And so then you start running, right? And so you go, whew, feels good. And you're kind of like, <sighs> and then for, I don't know if you have this problem, but I have this spitting problem that occurs. I get all this saliva in my mouth. I'm like, bah, bah, bah. something weird. That's why I don't run, but it produces saliva. But then you get into the thing and then you kind of go, what? I mean, you were going to run a mile, right? That was the goal for day one was a mile. You get 100 yards and you're like, well, I just need to take a breather. And you see, you grab the tree and you're kind of like, and then what happens? You start talking yourself out of it. You know, maybe you were just a little too ambitious. You know how you get sometimes. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Right? And you may stop right there. But if you get up the next day, and you go at it again, you may get 150 yards, right? And then if you get up the next day and you go again, you may get 175, right? And if you get the next day and you go again, you're going to get further. And then one day, you're going to hit the mile, right? And then a couple more days down the line, you're going to hit two miles, and then it's going to transform into this thing that you dread into a thing that you love, right? Because you're seeing the fruit that's being produced in your life, right? So you start falling in love with fruit instead of pain. Come on, that's good. You fall in love with the fruit of growing in Christ instead of the pain of growing in Christ. And it's funny how you strangely forget about the pain. It's a good thing y'all not sitting on the front row. I'm spitting all over the place this morning. <laughs> You're the only one anointed here today. But we fall in, we begin to fall in love with the fruit, right? You know, that's maturing in Christ. That's growing in Christ is when you begin to fall in love with what he's doing in your life instead of how it feels. Amen. We start getting up in the morning, and before you know it, you catch a little attitude. Mark told me, Mark told me he taught Cameron how to ride without training wheels this weekend. And so, boy, he took the training wheels off, and he went with him a couple times, and, man, he got it. You know Cameron. Cameron's a smart kid. He, Cameron takes off. 
So Mark says, well, you know, five minutes later, he wants to jump the ditch. Isn't that how we are sometimes? I mean, before you realized that you needed to start thinking different about trials, you ran from them. But when you started going through them and you started producing a little bit of fruit in your life and a little bit of endurance, don't get crazy and try to jump the ditch. But that's how you get. Amen. You start then wanting to take risk for God. You start then wanting to step out and start a Bible study. You start then wanting to serve in the church and outside of the church and doing outreaches. And you start getting this passion in your heart that torments you. And when you lay in bed at night, you see people's faces instead of your tiredness. Come on. You wake up in the morning and you're thinking about people. And during the day, God drops somebody's name in your heart and you begin to pray for them. You go from worrying about yourself into actually doing the work of the ministry. Isn't that good? C.S. Lewis said this in in a book that he wrote called uh, In the Problem of Pain. He said, God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks in our conscience, but shouts in our pains. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. He shouts in our pain. You want to hear God's voice? Take trouble head on. You want to be closer to God? Stop running from trouble and start running to trouble. Amen? Shift the way you think. Think differently. This is an opportunity for us. It may take a husband and a wife to encourage one another at different times. At different times in life, Cheryl's had to encourage me when trouble comes. And at other times, I've had to encourage her. And there's times she's had to correct me and I've had to correct her. No, we're not going to think like that. Come on, baby. We've been down this road already. Just because it might look a little different. It's the same old God. We're serving the same old God. The same God that we went through the last trial with 10 years ago. We're going through it with him today. He's still here. Sometimes we got to encourage each other. Sometimes you need a friend in the Lord. Right? The gospel of Jesus Christ is that good things happen to bad people. That's the truth. We don't deserve, right, the goodness of God. We don't deserve to be in his favor and in his presence, do we? We don't deserve that. The only one that deserved it was Jesus. The only good person that bad things ever happened to was Jesus, right? For the rest of us, it's just bad things happening to bad people. What we deserve is hell in the grave. Right? But what he gives us is life in abundance. Amen? So the next time you're going through something and you feel like saying, God, I don't deserve this, shift your thinking and say, Lord, thank you that you're with me in this. Thank you that you've not left me alone. Thank you that I'm going to get closer to you and my endurance is going to grow. You stand up with me this morning. How many of you say, Pastor, I needed to hear that? I needed to hear it too.
we all needed to hear it. Amen? Because we're all going to face it. Troubles are going to come our way. It's inevitable. You can't stop it. You can't spray bug killer on it or weed killer on it and expect it to go away. It's not. It's going to come. And if you're here this morning and you're good at juking and jiving around problems and trials, let me tell you something. That same trial and that same problem is going to keep coming back and back and back and back and back and back again until you grow through it. Amen? Some of you may be tired of going through the same trial over and over and over again. If you're having problems in your marriage, you need to, and you keep having the same problem over and over and over again. You got to do something different. Amen? You got to shift something. You got to shift the way you're thinking. You got to shift the way you're talking to her. You got to shift. You got to change something, right? So if you're going through the same trials over and over and over again, you need to stop and say, Lord, okay, I blew it. Help me get through this one. I want to, I'm tired of this trial, right? It was kind of like math 101 when I went to college. I couldn't get out of math 101. Don't laugh at me. Finally, I said, I'm going to study. I'm going to get a tutor. I'm going to get somebody to help me. And I got through 101. And I, guess what? I didn't have to go back through it again, right? If that's where you're at this morning, listen. My words of encouragement, just stop. Stop running. Stop dodging. When troubles come your way, you need to come to church more. Amen? It's funny how when troubles come our way, I can tell who's going through trouble because they usually quit coming to church. And I'm going, golly! Everything you need is in the house. Encouragement, a word, a gift of the Spirit. about this morning we quit running can we do that how many of you want to quit running this morning how many of you want to quit dodging this morning come on it doesn't matter what age you are it doesn't matter what stage you are in life everybody has a trial somewhere my kids are going through trials it's usually called their parents but that's okay 